Somebody ought to let out a war cry in this house this morning. Somebody ought to open up your mouth and declare to hell and the devil that he's already defeated. My Bible said no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Come on, somebody that's got the victory, clap your hands one more time and give God a shout of praise. High five somebody on the way to your seat. Tell them I've got victory this morning. I've got victory this morning. Amen. Anybody grateful for what we feel in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, if you're grateful to be in the house of the Lord, clap your hands one more time. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord today and to feel the wonderful presence of God that we feel in this house. And uh, I feel like the writer that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. I got happy before I ever got here. I just started thinking about church this morning and started giving God the praise. Amen. And uh, it is certainly a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. I want to say what an honor it is to have all of our guests in the house of the Lord with us. One more time, church, would you help me give a resounding applause to all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord? Come on, we can do just a little bit better than that. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to have you here with us this morning and to worship the Lord. To all of those streaming online with us, welcome into the service this morning. And uh, I want to say to all of our first-time guests, if you are here for the very first time this morning, you should have received a VIP invitation card when you walked in the lobby this morning. And that invitation card is for you to join us immediately after the service. We have a special room prepared with some goodies and a gift that we'd like to give you just as a token of our appreciation for you joining us this morning. And so when the service is over, if you'll just find the red carpet in the lobby, somebody will be there to escort you into the VIP room. Amen. And uh, we have a little, a little saying around here, a little agreement, a policy, an understanding that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. After that, you're just at home. Amen, church? So would you help me turn around and tell somebody sitting next to you, welcome home this morning. Come on, tell somebody on your left, somebody on your right, somebody behind you, somebody in front of you, just tell them, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. Amen. The Lord is doing some amazing things in this house, and we are excited to be a part of it. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord this morning, if you would... Join me on your feet in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 9 this morning. 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. It is our custom to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord in this house and to honor the entrance of his word into the sanctuary. 2 Samuel, chapter number 9, verse number 1 says, 
And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mishire, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mishire, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself, and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. And shall bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant as for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Verse number 13 says, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach to this house about the king's table. The king's table. Would you put your Bibles down and clap your hands one more time to the Lord all over this sanctuary. Come on. Oh, let's give God a great praise in this house today. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost reaching 
for somebody in this house today. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In order to really understand this text, you first have to back up in biblical history and understand that there are events leading up to this text that begin to reveal the heart of the king. You understand that in times past that King David had forged an incredible relationship with the son of King Saul, a man by the name of Jonathan. You understand that King David had been the son-in-law to King Saul. He married Saul's daughter, Michael, and through that marriage and the conquests and the hand of God became a rightful heir to the throne. But in his relationship with Saul, you begin to understand that Saul was jealous and he was envious because of what God was doing in David's life. And he had begun to disobey the voice of God. And so he had made it up in his mind that he had to eradicate King David. And so there is a storyline of David running for his life from King Saul. And David doing his best to stay submitted to authority and to honor God's anointed. Yet he is running for his life because King Saul wants to kill him. And despite this situation, he had made friends with the king's son, Jonathan. And despite the fact that Saul wanted to kill David, Saul's own son, Jonathan, yet loved David with all of his heart. The relationship was so close that the Bible says that the heart and the soul of Jonathan and David were knit together. They loved each other as if they were real brothers. And in times when Saul was pursuing David while yet trying to reverence his father, Jonathan would slip off into the woods and he would find David and warn him and tell him, David, you must flee. you got to run. My father is making plans to kill you and I, I don't want to see anything happen to you. This was the kind of relationship that David had with Jonathan. And as the story would go through Saul and Jonathan's death and the divine appointment of God, David is now the king. And David is now sitting on the throne. But here in our text, 
David is reminiscing about his friend Jonathan. He is thinking back and remembering how much that he loved Jonathan and how he wished probably uh, that things hadn't turned out the way that they did uh, and that perhaps uh, uh, it would have been good uh, if somehow these relationships uh, would have panned out. Uh, but now Saul is dead uh, and Jonathan is dead uh, and David is left wondering uh, and thinking uh, about his friend uh, and while he is thinking about his friend, uh, an idea occurs to him uh, and the thought comes into his mind. Uh, I wonder if there is anybody left uh, of the household of Saul. I wonder if there is any descendants uh, that are still alive from Saul's house uh, that maybe now that I'm king, uh, I could show them some uh, sort of kindness uh, on behalf of Jonathan. Uh, I loved Jonathan so much uh, that now I want to do something uh, that would be a memorial uh, of him and, and a memory away uh, to honor his memory. Uh, and so David uh, inquires of his servants uh, and says, is there anybody left uh, of the house of Saul? And so they go to a man uh, by the name of Ziba, uh, who is the chief servant uh, of the estate of King Saul. Uh, you understand that David reverenced uh, the position of that king uh, to such a degree uh, that even when he assumed the throne, uh, he did not touch the estate uh, of King Saul. Uh, and while David was yet king, uh, the estate of Saul uh, was still intact. Uh, and all of his servants were still there uh, taking care of his properties and his riches and his goods. Uh, and so they call for Ziba, who was the head servant of the household of Saul. And they asked Ziba, Ziba, are there any descendants left from King Saul? The king is inquiring and he wants to know if there's anybody that is still alive. And Ziba returns with the response and says, there is yet one son of Jonathan's who is still alive. He is a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is alive and well, but Mephibosheth lives in a place called Lodabar. When David hears about Mephibosheth, the Bible says that he inquires and he sends his people to Lodabar. Now, let me set the stage for you this morning to understand that the Bible is very clear that Mephibosheth was lame in both of his feet. There was something going on here with Mephibosheth. He was the descendant of Saul. He was the king's grandson, but he is not living in a palace. He is not living uh, in an estate. Uh, he is not living in Jerusalem uh, or the capital, uh, but he is off in a place uh, called Lodabar. Uh, and when you begin to study the meaning of the word Lodabar, uh, Lodabar means uh, a place uh, that is without uh, pasture. 
Lodabar was a name that would describe a place of desolation. It was a land where crops didn't grow and the grass wasn't green and there was no vegetation. It was a place that was not suitable to support its inhabitants in an agrarian society where they raised their own food to take care of themselves. Lodabar would have been a place where the very lowest of society were put, where the very dregs of society were cast off into a place where they could live out their measly existence and their low life with nothing there. Lodabar was a place of ill repute. It was the place where they would probably want privacy walls so that when you passed by, you didn't have to look at the eyesore called Lodabar. And it was here in Lodabar that Mephibosheth was living. Oh, he was not in a place that was suitable for a king's grandson. But because of the mistakes of people that were predecessors to him, he was now stuck in Lodabar. He was stuck in an environment that he really did not belonged in and not only was he in Lodabar but the Bible said he was lame in both of his feet and in order to understand the impetus of this statement you have to go back into chapter 4 of 2nd Samuel and there you will find the story concerning Mephibosheth when Mephibosheth was just a little boy at the age of five years old, it was at a time when Saul, his grandfather, and Jonathan were out to battle. And news came back to the kingdom that his grandfather Saul and his father Jonathan had both been killed in battle. And so when this happened, the household of Saul thought that surely the enemy would be showing up at any moment to destroy the household of Saul. And so the Bible said that this caregiver, this nanny or this babysitter who's in charge of taking care of Mephibosheth, she picked up Mephibosheth and began to run and flee in fear of their lives. And when she did, the Bible said that somehow she dropped him. And when she dropped him, both of his feet were broken as a little boy. And the Bible is silent. I don't know why there was never aftercare, why nobody attended to his wounds. But Mephibosheth grew up with his feet broken until it finally reached a place that he could not even walk because of the injuries he had sustained by somebody who was supposed to be taking care of him and instead uh, dropped him uh, and hurt him. Uh, can I stop and preach a couple of things this morning? Uh, I want to preach to people.
people that know what it's like to grow up in an environment of desolation, that know what it's like to grow up in a place that is not conducive to life, that know what it's like to grow up in an environment where you say, I know that there's destiny for my life, but look at what I'm growing up in. Look what I'm being raised in, a place of desolation, a place of dryness, an environment that is not conducive to life or success or a future. Is there anybody in the building that knows what I'm talking about? What it's like to grow up in an environment that is not designed for you to succeed, but rather it is designed for you to fail. It has surrounded you with dryness and darkness and unfruitfulness. And not only have I grown up in this desolate environment, but the people that should have taken care of me, instead, they were the ones that hurt me. The people that were appointed to protect me were the ones that dropped me. And so now I'm living my life with the consequences of other people's mistakes. Oh, I feel like preaching in this building. Now I'm living my life because mom and dad got a divorce. And why did I have to pay the price for their mistakes? And mom and dad separated. So now I grew up in a house with only one parent. And my mama got involved with alcohol and drugs. And so now here I am in this place. And my daddy was an alcoholic and an abusive father. And so now here I am living in Lodabar. Is there anybody that knows what I'm talking about? What it's like to grow up and the people that you trusted the most were the ones that hurt you. They were the ones that let you down. They were the ones that dropped you. And so now you're dealing with the consequence of their decisions in their life. I'm, I'm in Lodabar. My name would suggest, my heritage would suggest that there was a plan for my life. But this doesn't look like the plan that God had for me. This doesn't look like what I see when I dream and close my eyes. Why is it that I read the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God said, I know the plans that I have for you plans to prosper you uh, and to give you a hope uh, and its future. Why uh, is it that I read those scriptures uh, but yet I look around uh, and I'm living in Lodabar uh, and I'm living uh, with problems in my life uh, that were caused uh, by somebody else. Mephibosheth. And so David tells his servants, I want you to go and I want you to fetch Mephibosheth. <laughs> Mephibosheth probably thought many times, I want to get out of this place. I don't want to live here anymore. There's got to be a better place to go. There's got to be a better existence. 
But when he gets up to go, he realizes, I can't do it on my own. I can't get where I want to go. I'm stuck here. I'm lame in my feet. I have no mobility. I can't get to where I want to go. But there came a day when a messenger came from the king that said the king is inquiring of you. And the Bible said that the king fetched Mephibosheth. In other words, Mephibosheth, you can't get to the king, but the king can bring you to him. And I just see some people in the building that have a praise to God because when you couldn't get to him, the king fetched you and brought you to where he was. I just need a few people in the building that aren't ashamed to give God praise because when I couldn't leave Lodabar, God rescued me and God fetched me and he brought me into the palace. I'm not here because I was so smart. I'm not here because of my talent. I'm not here because of my abilities. I was broken. I was lost. I was lame. But thank God for a king that knew where I was. I'm preaching to some Mephibosheth. You thought everybody forgot about you. You thought you were in a place of forgottenness. But today, God sent me to remind you that the king knows exactly where you are. The king. King, he's lame. I don't think he's who you think he is, King. Bring him to the palace. King, I'm not sure if you know what you're asking for. He, you know, he didn't grow up uh, in this neighborhood. And he, he, he didn't grow up uh, learning all of the things uh, of Arca. Go uh, and fetch uh, Mephibosheth. Uh, I thank God for a king uh, that sits high, uh, but he looks low. Uh, and he's not afraid of my past. Uh, and he's not afraid of my brokenness. Uh, and he's not afraid uh, of my dysfunction. Uh, and he's not afraid uh, of my problems. Uh, but when he calls, my name he brought me into his presence go get Mephibosheth and so the servant comes I want you to help me Eric this is my nephew just stay there Mephibosheth can't move they said Mephibosheth the king wants you in the palace Mephibosheth looks down said, I don't know how I'm going to get there. When the king calls for you, it doesn't matter. And I can imagine somebody grabbing Mephibosheth. Come on. And they lift up Mephibosheth and say, come on. You're coming to the king's palace. You're coming to the king's palace. 
Come on. This is what some of us have a testimony of. This is what some of us have a testimony of. When I couldn't get to Jesus, he picked me up and he brought me and he carried me into his presence. Oh, my God. That's why when I come to church, I don't play games with God because you don't know what it took for me to be here. You don't know what I went through just to be in the king's house. Come on, somebody. I got some testimonies in this building. You don't know what it took for me to be out of the street and to be in the sanctuary. You don't know what it took for God to raise me up out of depression and bring me here. You don't know what it took for God to lift me up out of dysfunction and bring me to the house. Come on, somebody. That's why when I get here, I can't sit down casually because there's too much gratefulness in my heart. I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. I should be dead. I should be lost. I should be in a gang. My life should be upside down. But one day, the voice of the king called for me in Lodabar, and God brought me into his presence. So pardon me if my hands are lifted this morning. Pardon me if tears are rolling down my face. Pardon me if I begin to dance. Pardon me if I run the aisles. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. when he comes into the king's palace the king calls him and says Mephibosheth he said here am I my lord he said Mephibosheth I am going to restore unto you everything that belonged to the house of Saul. My God, you have to understand what that means. For two generations, because of his grandfather's disobedience, because of mistakes that his grandpa made, he was cut off and his lineage went in a direction that separated him from the promises of God. But after two generations, God said, I'm going to restore unto you everything that belonged to Saul, that would have been Jonathan's, that would have been yours. I came to preach to somebody. I don't care how many generations your family 
family tree has been away from God. I don't care if you're the first one in generations that came to truth. When you come into the king's house, he's going to begin to restore the generations of promise to you. He's going to begin to restore the generations of blessing to you. He's going to begin to restore the generations of your dignity. He's going to give you your dignity back. He's going to give you your honor back. He's going to put authority back in your hands. Come on, who am I preaching to? I don't care how messed up your mom and dad were. I don't care how messed up your grandparents were and your great-grandparents. Brother Michael, for generations and generations before me, it was divorce, it was alcoholism, it was abuse, it was all of those things. But when God called me into his presence, God said, I'm going to restore unto your name every promise. I'm going to reach around the dysfunction of your family and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to reach around the mistake of your past and I'm going to bless you. I'm preaching to people in this house. God's voice has called you into his presence today. And he begins to tell Mephibosheth, I'm going to restore everything to you. And when he begins to speak to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth's response to him is this. He said, King, what am I to you but a dead dog that you would speak to me this way? You see, it was the tradition of kings that when a new king took the throne, that king would kill all of the descendants of the prior king to ensure that there wasn't a surrection to his throne. And since Saul died a reprobate on a hillside and his father Jonathan was gone, he was thinking in his mind uh, probably that the king uh, wants to finish me off. Uh, I'm the last thing alive uh, that represents anything uh, that could have a right uh, to the throne. But you understand he got that thinking uh, by living under the wrong king. And when you live under the reign of the wrong king, uh, your perception uh, of God's kingdom uh, can become messed up uh, and it inhibits your ability uh, to see yourself uh, the way that God sees you. Uh, and so you, you, you come into the king's house, uh, but you still have a mentality, oh God, uh, you still have a mentality uh, that says I'm a nothing, uh, I'm a nobody, uh, I can't do anything right, uh, and it causes dysfunction. Uh, but Mephibosheth, uh, can I tell you uh, that there's a new king uh, and he's not like your other king. Uh, he's not like Saul uh, and he's here uh, to bless you. Uh, he wants to restore you. Uh, he wants to heal you. Uh, oh, come on somebody. I'm preaching to people in this house. 
that have struggled with your past. Somebody dropped you. They hurt you. <clears throat> so you grew up in Lodabar. And your perception of the king is a wrong perception. And so while God wants to bless you, you don't understand how to receive his blessing. And instead of understanding how to become what you're supposed to become, you reject God's identity because of the one that you've embraced. I'm just a dead dog. Why are you speaking to me this way? But I'm telling you, when you come into the king's house, God isn't calling you by your mistakes. God's not identifying you by the lameness of your feet. But God is identifying you by the purpose of your creation. I'm going to restore unto you everything that belonged to your grandfather and to your father. All of the blessings that got cut off because of their mistakes, I'm going to bring them to you, Mephibosheth. And furthermore, Mephibosheth, I love this. He's standing there, and I'm sure he keeps looking down at his feet, his lame feet, you don't understand, King. I'm not like everybody else. You don't understand. I've gone through some things that other people don't know what it's like. You don't understand what it's like for me to come to church and try to fit in. But I know everything I've been through. And I don't feel like anybody can relate to me. You don't understand, King. It's not just that easy to walk in here and believe that I can be what you want. Don't you see my feet? Can't you see the lameness? I'm preaching to people in this building that want to live for God. And you want to be everything that God's called you to be. But every time you come into this place, there's a voice in your mind that keeps telling you, look at how messed up you are. Everybody around you is looking at your trouble. Everybody around you is staring at your lameness. Everybody around you is looking at your issues and your problems. You'll never be normal. You'll never fit in. You'll never be one of them. I came to preach to you that the devil is a liar. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. See, as long as you're out here in front of everybody else, everybody sees your problems. Everybody gets a first row seat, a front row seat at your struggles. Yeah, look at them. Can't even do that right. Look at them. Can't even do this. But you know what the king said? Mephibosheth. I got an answer for this right here. What I'm going to do, Mephibosheth, 
is I've got a seat prepared for you uh, at my table. And Mephibosheth, uh, while you're right here, uh, everybody can see uh, what's going on. Uh, but Mephibosheth, uh, when I seat you uh, at the table, uh, Mephibosheth, uh, when I put you uh, at my table, uh, nobody uh, can see uh, the lameness uh, anymore. Uh, when we're sitting uh, at the king's table, uh, it brings everybody uh, to the same place. Uh, my God, I wish I had uh, a witness in the building. Uh, Mephibosheth, uh, when you're sitting uh, at the king's table, preaching to people right now God's saying come on I've got a place for you at my table and when I sit you at my table nobody can see the struggle nobody can see the marks of what you why because it's covered by my provision it's covered by my blessing God, I wish I had a church in the building. Uh, when you're seated uh, at my table, uh, I'm the one uh, holding you up. Uh, I'm the one taking care of you. Uh, you didn't get this uh, because of your abilities uh, or your struggles. Uh, you're here uh, and you're being taken care of uh, by divine blessing. Uh, but come on, somebody. Uh, I'm preaching to you uh, that at the king's table... the king's table there's no big eyes and little use at the king's table everybody has a place and this is what I love music come this is what I love so much about the text Mephibosheth Listen, I know you grew up at a disadvantage. And I know your father wasn't there from the time you were five years old, Mephibosheth. And so you grew up without a daddy. Your daddy may, maybe a dad, if you had a daddy, he may, have, he may have done something about those feet. He may have taught you how to but you didn't, your daddy wasn't there. And Mephibosheth, your, your grandpa wasn't even there. And so you grew up in Lodabar. And this is all you know is brokenness. But Mephibosheth, the text said, when you come here, you're going to eat at my table as one of my sons. And Mephibosheth, your daddy may have never been there for you, but I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. And as long as I'm alive, Mephibosheth, you're going to have a seat at the table as one of my sons. Oh, God. And so... When it was dinner time, come on, kids. It's time to eat. They got supper prepared at dad's place. All the kids came around. Absalom, 
David's son. Come on, Absalom. Find a place at the table. Let's just stand here at the side. Absalom, time to eat. Yeah. And uh, Amnon, come on, Amnon. Time to eat. And so Amnon shows up in his royal attire. Yeah. And, and he said, okay, Tamar, time to eat. Come on, Dad's calling you, Tamar. Time to come sit at the table. Yeah. Just find your place right here at the table. And God said, as long as I'm alive, Mephibosheth, you've got a seat at my table with all the rest of my kids. You're going to have access to the same blessing. You're going to have access to the same promises. You're going to have access uh, to the same anointing. Thank you all. Uh, you're going to have access uh, to everything uh, that's in my house uh, when you sit uh, at the king's table. I want us to stand all across this house this morning. I'm preaching this morning to people all over the sanctuary that have been struggling. Come on, I want, I want somebody to hear the voice of God today. You've been struggling with some things in life. And when it comes down to it, you're in the same position as Mephibosheth. And you've questioned your background and you've questioned, and listen to me, because you've questioned everything in your life, you think and feel like everybody else is too. Because you struggle with your past, you think everybody else struggles with your past. And because you're having a hard time with the lameness in your feet, you think everybody else is focused on the lameness that's in your feet. But can I give you a little secret? Uh, that if you lift up the tablecloth uh, at the table, <laughs> you'll find uh, that everybody at the table has issues. You'll find that everybody uh, sitting at the king's table uh, has challenges uh, and has problems uh, and has struggles. Uh, but when you sit uh, at the king's table, uh, God is teaching you uh, how to be a son uh, in the king's house. Uh, and I'm preaching to people right now uh, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Uh, I'm preaching to people all over this house uh, that the devil has told you uh, you're not good enough. Uh, you're too broken. Uh, you're too messed up. Uh, nobody wants broken goods. Uh, nobody signs uh, to have a broken package uh, left on their doorstep. Uh, God doesn't want you. Uh, you're never going to be blessed. Uh, you're never going to be anointed. Uh, you're never going to be called. Uh, but I came to preach to you uh, that God is calling you uh, to the king's table uh, this morning. Uh, God is calling you uh, out of Lodibar. Uh, God is calling you uh, out of desolation. Come on, would you come right now? Come on, would you come right now and lift your hands all over this sanctuary? Come on, come on, all over this house. Here they come, church. Here they come, church. Here they come. Come on, that's it. Come all the way to the altar. Lift your hands in his presence. Come on, Mephibosheth. You're at the king's table. 
Come on, Mephibosheth. You're at the king's table today. Come on. God's going to restore you. God's going to use you. God's going to anoint you. Come on. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, Mephibosheth. God's got greatness in store for you. Come on, Mephibosheth. God's got blessings for you. God's got promises.